Hi, welcome to No Small Talk, the arts and entertainment podcast from the Arkansas Times. I'm Jacob Rosenberg. Stephanie Smittle. Amaya Jones. And we're going to talk a little bit first, as we do each week, about some things that are going on with the Arkansas Times. Then we're going to get to the bulk of our show in the center, which this week is focused on storytelling. And then we're going to give you some recommendations at the end. But first, right now, let's talk about the Musician Showcase. So I'll let Stephanie talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, last year we celebrated 25 years of the Arkansas Times Musician Showcase. And this year is uh, year number 26. So we're pretty excited we had... Uh, nearly 60 bands submit, which might be a record. I'm not sure. Uh, wow, that's a lot. My second year to be involved, and uh, I was, again, stunned at the amount of talent and, and just like finding bands that were surprises that are fantastic bands that you've never heard of, either because they're kind of up and coming and just uh, being a little tentative about putting their stuff out there uh, when they're when they're gearing up. Uh, I think people are really going to dig it. It's a pretty diverse bunch this year and uh the prize package is badass it's uh i'll just read it off this is from our paper this week uh so the winner will get cold hard cash an (laughs) in-studio showcase at capitol view studio a live spot at uh, arkansas state fair at the bud light pavilion live spot (laughs) at uh, the bud light pavilion (laughs) pavilions all are named after beers now live spot at music fest el dorado Live spot at Valley of the Vapors, which, uh, by the way, won Best Festival at the Central Arkansas Music Awards. Uh, the winner also gets a Thursday night live series spot at the Griffin Restaurant, the farm-to-table uh, spot in El Dorado's new Murphy Arts District. Eight hours of artist development at the Hive Studio, and then a PRS SE245 Standard 22 electric guitar from Sunrise Guitars. So a bunch of swag. The showcase is happening every Thursday in February. How clean and easy to remember. <laughs> the 1st, the 8th, the 15th, and the 22nd, each night, 8 p.m. at Sticky's Rock and Roll Chicken Check. And then the finals will be Friday, March 9th, at The Reverend. So pretty much make Thursday, 8 p.m., February, Musician Showcase time. Quickly, you already referenced it, but Central Arkansas Music Awards went off without a hitch, in my opinion, but it was just an incredible really fun event and i mean i i didn't get to see much i was working tickets in front but specifically the local legend part was just it was like it was great and it was just moving and it was really cool to see everyone come together and ron robinson and, and hang out like that for the first time i am so glad you had fun uh we've heard from a lot of people that this is something that little rocks needed for a long time what i think we all kind of know about central arkansas musicians is that they're not like Nashville musicians, and they're not used to having uh, to toot their own horns in order to just get a foot in the studio or to, to get anybody to listen. It's it's a really different vibe, and I kind of think modesty is part of the culture, and maybe to a fault, uh, yeah. because we tend not to celebrate ourselves, and it's not because there's not really uh, intriguing and, and innovative music coming out of this scene. Uh, it's just, it's just I, I think it's maybe just part of the way uh, Little Rock music culture has, has developed over the years. So at any rate, um, since musicians don't tend to toot their own horns around here, uh, Arkansas Times and Arkansas Sounds took a stab at doing a little of that for them, and we are um, looking to improve that. So if you attended, if you did not attend, uh, you have ideas about how to make it better or things that you'd like to see, we're soliciting some feedback. If you'll go to arctimes.com, 
scroll down to the entertainment section at uh, it's called Rock Candy. You'll find a post there with about 200 pictures and a slideshow of the, the award ceremony and then also a little survey where you can let your voice be heard about what you liked or didn't like. Yeah, and uh, this week we're making a radical departure away from our normal main content, which is normally we talk about movies. The Oscar nominations came out. You're desperate to hear my and Amaya and Stephanie's opinion. You're going to have to wait for next week because this week we've got an incredible, uh, we've got a really incredible interview to sort of take up the bulk of our show. It's all about uh, a storytelling event that's happening Wednesday in um, the last day of January, January 31st. It's called Bard True Stories of Incarceration. It's a partnership between um, Decarcerate, which is an advocacy organization for those who are incarcerated, and, and they sort of do a lot of different things with the, the prison system here, and The Yarn, which is a um, storytelling organization. And so we talked with folks from The Yarn, we talked with folks from Decarcerate, and then we talked with a really incredible guy named D'Angelo um, Lee, who's a co-founder of Hope, which is a support group for formerly incarcerated people, and he's going to be one of the storytellers at this event. The event is at 7 p.m., at the New Deal Salon, uh, tickets are about ten to fifteen dollars, and it is happening again Wednesday, the last day in January. Um, so here's our interview with um, Hillary Trudell, Zachary Crow, and D'Angelo Lee. Hi, welcome back. Uh, so, like we talked about earlier, we're going to segue now into some storytelling stuff in Central Arkansas here. And so the thing that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about a few things, but the main thing we're going to talk about is an event coming up with Decarcerate and the Yarn um, to tell stories uh, for folks who have been incarcerated or currently are incarcerated. And so we wanted to start off a little bit broad and talk first about the Yarn. So we invited Hillary in, and so how about you introduce yourself, and then we'll start there, and then we'll go into what the Yarn is and, and what it does. Okay, great. I'm Hillary Trudell. I'm the executive producer of the Yarn. Great. And so the obvious question, what is the yarn? How do you define it? And how do you kind of think about it? Yeah, so we started, um, I've been doing storytelling shows. I started about uh, three years ago with the human rights campaign, um, but I for National Coming Out Day. So uh, local Arkansans coming together to talk about their coming out stories. It's been at South on Main for the past three years. This year, I knew that I wanted to do one on mental health as well, and also partnering with Akansa to do a 10 minute play festival. So my friends and I decided we should start branding what we're doing, just to to let people know that we're all doing we're we're all doing this together. Um, so we started the yarn back in September, and we are a storytelling company that uh, attempts to well, we present opportunities to build community through storytelling. So getting to know our neighbors, bringing local people to the stage, just talk about different topics to really break down barriers and build community and potentially change hearts and minds cool so I, i'm let's i guess one of the more fundamental questions is it, you do it on different topics right so mm -hmm. is it a is it a cadre of storytellers who take stories and then tell them or is it more like y'all teach people anyone to tell stories kind of yeah the process is uh it's time consuming but it's been working really well for our storytellers i we want to make sure everybody feels like they can tell a story and that's very intimidating to a lot of people uh, it's not you know just actors or great public speakers that we want to put on stage because we want people to recognize people on the stage in themselves so we have done a show on we did out loud so national coming out day we did headstrong for mental health awareness in 
uh, November, and we did a show on adoption, a collaboration with the Repertory Theater, Arkansas Rep, um, on Monday, so two days ago. <laughs> it's been a very busy month, um, and this will be our fourth show um, and our third collaboration with Decarcerate, or our third collaboration with a community partner, and we're partnering with Decarcerate on incarceration. Um, and we really want to get different angles of the story. We don't want the same story told eight or ten times. So. Um, in the adoption show, we had people who had adopted, who had been adopted, who, um, you know, had, had international adoption experiences, who were adopted later in life, but all very, uh, we had a woman who uh, is in the process of adopting a 13-year-old okay. from the system. Um, in the incarceration show, we have people that have been incarcerated, but we also have a public defender who's speaking. We have uh, the wife of a, of a public defender who's speaking. Um, so we have different angles we like to bring in. Cool. And so I guess abstractly, let's talk about storytelling and why mm -hmm. you partner with community partners and, and kind of how you think about storytelling as not only maybe an art form, but also something that sounds like you want to see actionable change kind of happen from certain events, right? Yeah. And our, our hashtag is, our tagline is share your truth. Um, I, I think there's great power in hearing people's stories and the ability to really open minds. Um, I've had friends who have come to Out Loud who had very little um, idea of the LGBT experience and just hearing about the struggle or people getting fired or you know, you know, the difficulty in coming out to family has really opened their eyes in terms of that experience. And I do think the more we can know about different experiences, different lived experiences, the more open we are to really uh, each other and building community. In terms of community partnerships, I think it's essential. Um, this show, uh, sometimes we open it up to the public to submit their stories. This show has been closed because we wanted our storytellers to come through Decarcerate because they are in the community on the ground working with people who have been incarcerated or had experience with incarceration. I am not that person, I'm a producer, um, and I'm a story coach, but if I hadn't partnered with Zach, there's no way I would have met D'Angelo. Yeah. So if it were just me and my <coughs> friends saying, okay, let's get all our friends on stage, that would completely defeat the purpose. So for um, Out Loud, we partner with the Human Rights Campaign, and they're able to also partner or recommend storytellers. We're doing a show on sexual assault in April, and working with organizations here that can potentially bring storytellers to us who are all interested in sharing their story. I don't do the work on the ground, so I can't identify those people. Yeah, so it's about bringing people to this art firm. And I guess we'll sort of, since you Oliver just mentioned, we'll back up and now kind of talk about the specific event. We should also mention when, when exactly is the event, what time is it, how can people come to the yeah, event? absolutely. It's next Wednesday. It's January 31st. It's at the New Deal Salon, which is over on 22nd and Louisiana. It's a beautiful gallery for people who came to Headstrong. It's in the same space. We have tickets on sale. If you go to theyarnstorytelling.com, you can find tickets there, and maybe we'll yeah. put them on your podcast. Yeah, we'll something. put a link there. And so let me introduce you all. It's Zach and D'Angelo. And... Zach, you can kind of talk to about decarcerating, and then we'll talk to you, D'Angelo, about this specific event and the story that you're telling. So, Zach, what is decarcerate? Who is kind of the yarn partnering with here, the on-the-ground work, all, all, this, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so um, my name is Zachary Crow. I um, am currently serving as the director of Decarcerate, which is a uh, grassroots campaign made up of individuals and community groups and nonprofits all 
um, sort of working together to address issues of mass incarceration in Arkansas. And so there's lots of um, sort of specific uh, issue areas within that broader um, topic that we're concerned about and we're working um, on from a variety of angles, both legislative and, and sort of on the ground work. Um, and um, this event, this partnership with the YARN, we are uh, quite excited about for several years. Um, after graduating college, I ran a, a monthly storytelling event. Uh, I then moved to Atlanta, where I worked with folks uh, on death row and folks who were coming out of prison. And so this a storytelling event about, um, about uh, prison uh, and mass incarceration feels like a uh, feels like a, a good marriage of, of things that I care about and, and um, uh, things that I uh, hold dear. And so um, I am so excited that D'Angelo is going to be a part of this event and six other amazing storytellers um, like Hillary. I, I really believe that stories. Uh, have the ability to to move and and transform and and transfigure us and um, I, I think there is is power particularly in live storytelling um, when folks can sit across from one another and um, folks can be empowered to share um, their own life and their own experience vulnerably and and truthfully and a, a room full of people can be in a place and uh, that they can really. Uh, hear that, and so uh, we're excited about uh, this as an opportunity, really, to uh, bring these issues that we're working on uh, to a larger group of people. Yeah, um, so let's go to you, D'Angelo, kind of the star of the show here. Um, so you want to introduce yourself, and then I, I, in the introduction, I think we'll get into a little bit of what we're talking about, too, but you do some pretty incredible work we were just talking about in the hallway, so. Yes, my name is D'Angelo. Um, I'm former Arkansas Department of Correction inmate one three two eight zero six. Today I run a nonprofit organization which I'm president and founder of called I Too Have a Dream. Uh, also co-founder of a group called the Hope Group, uh, which is a group that is uh, made up of individuals that are returning back into the community. We're a support group for one another. Uh, we provide. Our organization, I Too Have a Dream, provide information for these individuals for as housing, educational pieces, um, I mean, the laws. Um, we just had a new law that was just voted into office on the 1st of August of last year. It's called the HOPE Law, which helped individuals that were denied SNAP benefits uh, come out of our organization. Um, Representative Walker, John Walker, and Amari Shakur they have backed the organization to get this bill passed. So, so you, you've got this big, long story, which starts, you know, way before incarceration, but let's kind of start with the incarcerated in ADC. You've mentioned your ADC number, which, you know, yes. if I do reporting on prisons, it's beside everyone's name. Yes. So let's just talk about the experience a little bit of being an inmate and how that affected you at the time and then how you think about it maybe now during reentry. But... What was it like to be an inmate? Was eight years you said, and you were transferring around to a lot of different units? Well, I didn't. I didn't see myself as being an inmate. Mm -hmm. I really didn't. I just uh, it was basically me. I like Jonah in the belly of the beast. Yeah, you know, um, some things in my life I had to 
restructure. Um, in being in the Arkansas Department of Correction, I'm, I'm grateful for it because it helped mold me and shape me into being the man that I am today. Uh, witnessing personal struggles of individuals there, my own personal struggle, you know, um, made me find my real purpose. You know, um, I grew up, even though I was grown, I grew up, you know, um, and and, and, I was, and, now, and now you're, you know, on the other end of stuff, now you're working with the ADC, right? Right. I just got approved uh, the day before uh, Hillary and Zach called me, or Zach called about this interview. Mm-hmm. I just got approved by the Arkansas Department of Correction and the ACC to bring the meshes back into the prison system. Wow. And so let's talk about in prison when you're there for eight years, specifically in Arkansas State Prison. It's different in every state and it's different on the federal level. But in the ADC, sort of what are some of those experiences and maybe even kind of what kind of stories are we going to hear at this event? Um, My personal experiences that uh, I was sharing with Hillary, you know, it's a system that's really set for failure. you know, you take a man that's uneducated and bring him through the system and he goes, leaves out the system in worse condition than he was when he first came in. You know, you're bound to repeat yourself. Um, the resources are not, uh, quote unquote, adequate as they say they are. You know, um, that's why my mission, you know, by being there and seeing individuals in the eight years I was there return back to prison because the recidivism rate states that 53.7% return back within zero to six months. So I was I was out to prove that wrong with me. So, you know, I put a lot of work in in my life to change my life, you know, and today I realized that the experience that I went through and the things I went through in my life, it wasn't for me no way. So this is my way of reaching back in and helping another brother up out the struggle that's looking for a way out. Yeah, I kind of want to talk. I think a lot of times we abstractly understand, for example, the recidivism rates above 50%. If you go to prison, you're more likely to go back to prison. Mm-hmm. It's above 50%. So I think that we kind of understand that abstractly, but it's so hard, and maybe the storytelling event will be good at this, to get specifically why when you leave ADC, it's so hard to not go back, especially in those first few months even that first year I mean it's it's hard for a long time but that first year people talk about that being really hard what's hard about leaving prison and then not going back right away what, during that first kind of year what what's really the challenges there uh, resource the resources of uh, surrounding yourself in a positive environment um, you know you take a man that come home from prison and had a family before he went to prison and he comes home now <clears throat> he's being rejected from numerous jobs, filling out applications after applications, and then you're looking at your child, you know, saying, Daddy, I'm hungry, or the lights getting cut off. You know, you as being a man, quote unquote, you know, we have to do what we have to do to make sure our child eats. So a lot of a lot of the individuals they return back to doing the things that they're accustomed to doing. You know, um the struggle is real. You know, once you, I mean, from leaving the prison system and getting back into society, because don't no one care that you just coming home from prison. Don't nobody want to hear that, you know. And, and then a lot of individuals have burned their family members, whether it be from substance abuse or whatever it may have been, that they don't have the support, you know, uh, from family. Um, they don't know anything about the support groups like the Hope Group, you know, or other support groups that are around the city of Little Rock. You know, um, and we get caught back up in the trenches. 
and we go right back to our old playgrounds, our old playmates, and our old play things, and we get the same thing over again. Yeah. So the prison system, um, by not providing that proper resource that an individual needs to make it here in society, I'm gonna use this, and I mean, I know we're recording, but this is just who I am. I yeah. share just with him. Uh, it'd be like a slave going to a slave master asking for freedom. Yeah. Mm. Why would I free you from slavery and give you the tools and resources that you need to be successful when I know I can make millions of dollars off your back? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to give you everything that it takes to be successful out here in society, to succeed out here in society, when I already said that 53.5% or 7% of you guys are going to return back into me anyway in zero to six months. I mean, it's worth pointing out here, which is just a fact of that the Arkansas prison system still does not pay inmates to do labor. There's giant farms out there. So let's talk a little bit about that experience, eight years incarcerated. What is it like to be, you know, I don't, it's really hard to get information sometimes. So I don't think people even understand what a daily life is like for an inmate or a, a, anyone in, who's sort of caught up in the system in Arkansas. You know, can you describe to us a little bit about what a typical prisoner's day might be like? Work. <laughs> Work. Um, you know, the Arkansas Department of Correction make like two about a quarter of a million dollars a year off of vegetables that are grown there in the prison system by individuals, inmates that help harvest the fields. Uh, a lot of that fresh produce that they sell back out into the community markets, the prison system, the prisoners that help produce this and help get this grown. They don't receive that. You know, they, they bring in the pieces that's been smashed or damaged, you know, where they can cut off and they give you that, put it on the man, you know, on the line or something. Um, I know when I was there, you know, if you didn't work, they locked you up. You know, it's point blank. It yeah. was, you know. That's recently been in theory changed. They'll, they'll take they'll, that's they'll, what they say. That's what they say. Right. You know, there's grievances a lot of inmates say that hasn't changed, that they're still mm-hmm. putting people in solitary. Eat, or they don't call it solitary, they call it isolation, mm-hmm. eat, despite this whole work thing. But the, the idea was that they would change this, but it used to be there were, when you were there, that if you didn't go to work, they would put uh, you in a restriction. Uh, it was called, they would come flip your bed over on the certain units you went to. You went in the bed, they would flip it over on, you know. Um, I deal with, I deal with men and women returning from prison on a weekly basis, every week. And in dealing with these individuals, these are some of the same things that I, you know, that I'm told the same thing happened almost six years ago when I came home. You know, um, you don't work, you get locked up. You know, um, they look at it now, you have some wardens that walk around the prison system that tell you this is a business. You know, uh, and my business is to make sure these beds are filled at this facility. You know, uh, if I have to put you in the max. And that's how they look at it now. There's no rehabilitation. Um, rehabilitation starts with self. You know, when a man reach a point in his life where enough is enough, you know, we have our own bottles that we have to reach. And being in that environment, it allowed me to really look at me who I, for who I really was. You know what I'm saying? I, I understand. I mean, I, I think there's there's two kinds of rehabilitation. That There's this rehabilitation that can be structured and stressed by the institution. Sounds like that doesn't happen very often. But there's also rehabilitation that against that stress and that pressure can happen internally just because you decide that, you want to rehabilitate your yourself. But that doesn't mean the ADC gets the credit for the rehabilitation. It sounds like what you're saying is you had to do it yourself kind of to make that rehabilitation happen. And that's kind of what you do in your work now with reentry. Right. And too. see, the, the thing about that, one, well, 
once again, I stated earlier, I'm grateful for the Arkansas Department of Correction because they put some things in me that I forgot how to do, like mm -hmm. going to work, getting proper rest. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, today, I'm grateful for that because now I get up. I'm assistant operation manager and a logistics manager for a multi-million dollar year company. Right. You know, um, if it hadn't have been for that type of structure that they provided, who knows where I would be. I probably would be one of those statistics returned back to prison. So it's sort of a balance, I guess, where it's like uh, some of the things that ADC does and that work and that pressure can be viewed in one light as potentially harmful for some folks, but for some folks it can be really helpful and add structure. Right. So right. it's a little bit of both. Right. Right. Huh. Right. And I, I think sometimes we don't recognize that can be a little bit of both and mm -hmm. that it has its pros and its cons. You mentioned that a lot of people come out worse. So what are the cons that we talk about? We kind of talked about the good part, which is you learn that structure. It sounds like it's really helped you out in rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. What are some of the cons potentially that we were just talking about before, you know, when you balance the kind of the way that the prison works? And the Well, when you take a man out of his environment and place him into that type of environment, and things that go on in the in the in the prison system, um, we become what they call institutionalized, where we become used to that type of living. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and in that type of living, I'm I'm there with individuals that's been there twenty years, thirty years, you know, and and now it's, I have you know uh, left the path of wanting to go home. Now I'm with these individuals that's never going home. So when I'm finally free, you know, back into society, only thing I know is what these guys have taught me. And if the things that they've learned, the things that they did that cost them 30 years of their life in prison, why would I come back out here and practice the things that they taught me? Uh, it's all, it almost is like uh, if, when you know better, you do better. That's the bottom line. When you know better, you do better. You know, you place a guy with three years and you put him in a facility where guys has been locked up for 30 years. What do you expect? Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked about, when I talk to folks about some of this, a lot of it, they talk about there's these really long sentences. There's no incentive because parole is not going to be up for, what, 20, 30 years? And so there's no incentive to, mm -hmm. to get your your head in the mindset that you're going back. Instead, you need to habituate yourself to the community here because you need to survive here for 20 or 30 right. years, right? right? You have to adapt to your environment. Yeah. You know, you're in there with a bunch of wolves. Yeah. You're going to be a sheep. <laughs> and you so know? you have to get ready for that environment That's that right. it's in front you of have you. To, you have to adapt to that environment. It's a totally different environment. You know, um, you take an uneducated person, whether it be the prison guard. I'm going to use that as an example. Mm-hmm. You take this guy, he come off a farm because a lot of the prison systems now sit in these little rural areas. Yeah, they're, they're pocketed in these rural areas. Right, where throughout the state. Like most of the majority of the jobs there were farm workers. Mm -hmm. So you take these individuals and you you place them into this environment. And a lot of times, a lot of the guards, they've been abused or jumped on, you know, uh, by some of the guys that might come through the prison system. So they're already angry. Then you take an uneducated female that's been battered by, you know, her boyfriend and you place her in an environment where she's in control over these men. So what you get, you know, I mean, you, you have a person that can barely made it out of high school. They can't count. So they will pay an inmate. Hey, man, count the barracks for me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, 
just to keep them coming in their account. I mean, you got 19-year-olds telling – that's yeah, a huge thing that yeah, guards tell me a lot yeah. – uh, correctional officers tell me a lot of times is, you know, I'm coming out of high school. There's a 40-year-old man here who's my cousin's friend's brother. You know, yeah. there's connections out there. And I have to tell them to do something. I'm intimidated. I'm a little bit scared. Mm-hmm. Everyone comes with their baggage to that system is mm-hmm. kind of what you're saying, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone comes with their background. And see, after a period of time, the guards start doing time. The only difference between the guards and the inmates is that they go home when their shift is over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because the, the shifts are, what, 12 hours long? 12 hours shifts. So you figure these 24 hours, you're spending a half a day there in the prison system. And with how short staffed they are, they're working right. overtime. So you can spend 24 hours right. straight in the prison system. Right. You're a correctional officer just like an inmate. You're in there for a long right. period of time. You get habituated to that system right. too, they right? They become institutionalized. That's yeah. why, you know, they, they eat what we eat. They even go home and make spreads, you yeah. know, so. <laughs> I mean, I was just writing about this this week, but, you know, correctional officer is a hard job. It is yeah. a difficult yeah. job in there. And uh, I think kind of what you're saying is, I think we have certain ideas about rehabilitation in ADC, but maybe what the storytelling will do is, reinforce the reality of it like the stories that you're telling you know uh where it's it's a lot of work that people don't realize you know you wake up every day and you go to work so what are some of those jobs that you did while you're in the in... i was the um i was in inside maintenance inside outside maintenance um also i was like the temperature control guy when i went through the prison uh checking the bar- uh the barracks just for temperatures making sure they were certain you know um <clears throat> i also um even while i was in prison uh, he's the third in charge now with the Arkansas Department of Corrections. His name is Dexter Payne. Oh, I've met Mr. Payne, yeah. Uh, he and I, when we were at Brickies, he was the assistant warden then. And I used to tell him uh, the things that I wanted to do. And I was trying to get some things started in prison then, you know, as far as guys coming home with a Social Security card, you know, um, uh, uh, ID, because those things, are, you figure you give a guy a $100 on a card, and by the time he cashing in uh, in a certain place they're going to take two dollars from him then he have 98 dollars and he has to get bus fare and uh, mm-hmm. ids and things like that no jobs you know no job skills no resources then yeah I mean, we should tell specifically what you get is you get a hundred dollars sort of like little credit card right on the credit card. i think you have to activate it online don't you well no you can uh, uh yes 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 you do which can be complicated if you've yeah. been in adc yeah. and they don't have computers and right. it can be hard and the, I mean, the real challenge I've heard about is getting that ID, right? Yeah. Getting the ID is really hard. It's tough. And I was trying to help get that started while I was locked up um, through the pre-release because their pre-release program is set up totally different than any pre-release program, excuse me, around the state. Really? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. See, pre-release is a, is a place, you know, you can check the Ohio Department of Correction, the Missouri uh-huh. Department of Correction. Even the Texas Department of Correction, pre-release is something like, say, a person is six to eight weeks from coming home, and they enter this pre-release class, and the pre-release should help them get resumes together, it should help them get their social security cards together, you know, their IDs together, things that they would need, let them know about housing, whether they want to go into a substance abuse program, all those things should be set up for a person before they leave prison, versus allowing them to get out of prison and don't have, the, you know, not having the resources and tools that they need to make it. Yeah. That's why so many individuals return back into that system. Yeah. I mean, and you could also, for us in Arkansas, I don't know about other states, that ID process, and when I say ID, I mean getting like a driver's license, right. like an ID, right. which you don't realize, but it's very essential to getting a lot of the services you need when you 
during re-entry. That isn't done during pre-release usually? Well, when I left the system, it mm -hmm. wasn't. I can't speak now. I don't when think I left it the is. System, you know, uh, I, I think what they're doing now is through these re-entry programs, they're helping some of them get their IDs now. Mm -hmm. But I know when I left the system, there was none of that. Wow, that's really interesting. Because you know, I had to buy my own, so I know for myself. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to someone who was re-entering, and they said, you know, it's also costly. You know, it costs money to go get that ID. It costs yeah. money and time to go stand in line at the DMV. And then if you miss two of your payments to parole, you got to be there every day working. Mm -hmm. So it's just all these, I guess, it's all these little mechanisms you have to check all the boxes on that can get really complicated. Mm -hmm. Let, maybe let's finish up by talking a little bit more about Rianchi, which is ACC, you mentioned earlier, is right. Arkansas Community Corrections, right. which is over parole and probation. Right. So let's, when you're a parolee or you're on probation, I guess, too, but let's talk about parole. And parole is when you get out of prison technically early. You're still incarcerated technically, but you're incarcerated outside of a literal penitentiary. Mm -hmm. um, what... How does parole work in Arkansas? How are the folks that are getting out of prison now? What are some of the challenges they're experiencing? And what kind of what are you doing with your work now to help them? Well, a lot of the men I deal with from the reentry program, which is Hidden Creek, um, by the time they leave Hidden Creek, the director there, BJ, uh, Brady, and Jeff, they make sure those guys have social security cards, their IDs, driver's license, they have jobs, they have money set up. Along with our organization, we we work with them to find housing. We work with uh, individuals here that's what we call friendly friendly housers that that uh, that allow these individuals to uh, you know to lease or rent from them. Um, only requirement we ask is that they come back to the support group, you know, to give other individuals some hope. You know that hey, I can make it. You know we talk about our struggles because it's hard. You know, it's hard when you, like I say, you know, when you've been practicing living a, way, a certain way for so long, you know, it become a way of life. Now to undo that and do something right, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It really is. So, I mean, without the proper support, you know, around you, you, you know, it's, it's destined that you're going to fail. Yeah. You know. And I guess all of us is, as someone who hasn't gone to prison and then had to re-enter after that process, this event can be good as a way to recognize the challenges of some other mm -hmm. folks and it's not just this easy process of you leave prison and then everything gets better immediately right it, it no, sounds like it's a no, huge no, long process no, no, no. It's, it's 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 a difficult process yeah you know and one of the biggest process i mean is uh developing that relationship with your family because see when we do time our family do time mm. you know because they have to take time out of their lives to either come visit us to send money or to take a phone call so building that relationship back with your family and your loved ones, that is very, very, very important. Wow. Very important. Yeah. Before, actually, we'll just add it on to the end here. You want to give a quick shout out for yes, your support group, yes, right? Yes, On uh, Thursday evenings from 6.30 to 8 at 2200 Kavanaugh at Pulaski Heights Baptist Church, uh, we have a support group meeting for uh, individuals that are returning back from uh back into the communities uh, where we provide resources and things, uh, housing, jobs. 98.7% um, 98 98 of the individuals in that group are, have jobs. So, wow, that's uh, a lot. Uh, yeah. And 
um, I should just point out that you should check out I Too Have a Dream, which is your organization, yes, right? It is. If, yes, it is. And uh, people can reach out to you. And... Yes, sir. Perfect. Well, thank you all again for coming and really yeah, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. All right, welcome back. Uh, thanks so much for listening this week. As always, we're going to end with some recommendations, and then Stephanie's going to tell you the one thing you got to do this weekend. Um, the other thing that is crucial is that Stephanie's not going to recommend it, but last night, this comes out on Friday, so last night Stephanie did an incredible job, I'm sure. We're, we're pre right now because we're recording before, uh, interviewing Beth Ann Fennelly. Finley, Fennelly? Am I saying it right? Fennelly. Fennelly. Beth Ann Fennelly about her book, which we talked about last week. Um, so you should go check out that book uh, again. The other thing is that tonight, this very night, Amaya is going to be taking an adorable little puppy that was found in the park near my house by my roommate Benji. And Amaya, Amaya is taking this puppy tonight and he's going to attempt to take care of this puppy. And so my recommendation is that you listen next week for whatever happens with Amaya and this puppy. Because... Uh, and also, if you're if you own this dog, what, what kind of dog is this again? Uh, the vet says it might be a Pyrenees. It might be a Pyrenees, which means it could easily grow to be a hundred pounds. It is a massive dog. And they, they like to wander. They're called Great Pyrenees. Yeah, are they Great not? Great yeah. Pyrenees. Yeah, yeah. Omai is now showing everyone videos of this adorable dog that was fighting in my living room, like. Last night, it's playing. Nothing it's like different. trying to explain video on an audio-only format. Yes, but of course. It's, rest assured, it's adorable. It's a very cute puppy. If you lost a Pyrenees, you know, reach out to us. Uh, I'll include my email. But also, if you don't want, I mean, we're really we're not rooting for it necessarily, but potentially we're hoping that an owner doesn't show up because Omaya can take this puppy into his life and have a giant, massive dog <laughs> bothering him. Instead of him being in my house. They're very gentle and friendly dogs as long as you exercise them um, and give them something to do. They're also supposedly very intelligent. Um, I mean, this dog is smart from my time with him. I will just say that now I think that it should be a regular part of the podcast is that we talk about the chronicles of you and this dog or whatever happens with this dog. We'll keep you up to date. So that's a recommendation is come back next week for that. I also want to recommend, you know, we just talked about him, but D'Angelo Lee is a really interesting guy and I, I had a great time talking with him if you're interested in uh, reaching out to him and you or someone you know is involved with um, the prison system here in Arkansas I've got his email address I've got his phone number reach out to me at jacob at arctimes.com and also reach out to me because I, I do some reporting on the prison system and I'd love to hear about your experiences with it so feel free to reach out to me on that and my last uh, recommendation is New York Magazine did an interview with Erica Badu this interview is fascinating i don't even want to get it i potentially we could do a whole podcast just on this interview but in general the guy who does those interviews does a lot of interviews he did another incredible one with tj miller i think maybe he didn't i think he did anyways you should check out more of this guy's work he does great stuff and check out the erica badu interview in new york magazine it is it is bonkers it is it is wild and parts of it make total sense and parts of it are totally off the rails but amaya do you have any recommendations yeah um sort of connected with our the main topic this week i want to recommend a podcast produced by radiotopia called ear hustle and it's produced by a reporter and an, an inmate in the in the prison system in california and so if you want a real inside look of what inmates lives are like on a day-to-day -day basis uh, i highly recommend the podcast ear hustle Stephanie? I'm going to recommend that you get yourself to the rep 
uh, Arkansas Repertory Theater and see The Call. Uh, it's a play by Tanya Barfield about a white couple that uh, is looking to adopt and uh, ends up wanting to adopt a child from Africa. So lots of questions about just parenthood in general and uh, the meaning of parenthood and also uh, about race and, and privilege and how that can come to come into play uh, when you know in the adoption process. So uh, Tanya Barfield is the playwright. The um, one of the the actors I'm particularly excited about seeing is named Sawara Joy Ross. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Sojo she goes by. She was the lead in Sister Act. So if you saw Sister Act at the Rep, be prepared to maybe see uh, a little bit different side of uh, you know different characters see her in a different capacity but either way it's going to be running um i think through through at least through february uh so go to the rep.org and go see the call great is, is that the is that the move as well that's the move that's the move that's the move. move is the call and uh thanks again to everyone who was a guest this week and we'll be back next week probably to talk about oscars thanks so much for listening mm-hmm.